AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Grains in mostly lower today, except for corn, which holds on to fractional gains. Cattle correct after new highs for the new yesterday with a bearish day in the outside markets, including a plunge in the stock market after the CPI data comes in hotter than expected. Live from the final shopping day before Valentine's Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. Directly following the news, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, filling in for Chip, please welcome Michelle Rook. Hey, thanks, Davis. Good afternoon. Hello, hello. 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 Last shopping day before Valentine's Day. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you normally get for Valentine's Day? Not much. No, not much. No? No, no. I'm not one of these materialistic guys. You know, and here's the thing, uh, fellas and ladies too, you know, I try to make it a practice to show my love every day of the year. Every day. Okay. Every day of the year. I don't need Hallmark telling me, you know, when to love my wife. It's every day. It's every day over here. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You, you're, that's your story and you're sticking to it, I suppose. Yeah. You're, you're getting me all fired up now, you know? It's, uh, ooh. I'm all right. Well, you I'm know, fine. it's. I always say it's the little things that really count. So yeah. for me, I'm not very materialistic either. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have somebody do something nice for me. So. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are getting that way. Like instead of gifts or expensive, you know, stuff. I mean, if we're going to be spending the money, fine. Let's mark the occasion, but let's have an experience together. You know, let's let's have a nice meal. Let's go on a little a little getaway or something like that. And I think that those are the things that really stick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That and the PlayStation 5. You know, that would, that would stick too. <laughs> oh, see, the truth finally comes out. Oh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> well, Absolutely. I mean, gosh, what what do we make of these markets today, Michelle? I'm calling them largely meh. What do you think? Yeah, it was a fairly quiet day, but I will say CPI data this morning came in hotter than they thought, and then the stock market took a plunge, and I think there was some money flow issues today. Dollar index was up sharply, and that seemed to kind of eventually weigh on soybeans and wheat. Corn market, I don't know. I'm pretty proud of it. It actually held some fractional gains with all that other stuff going on. But Oh, great. Yeah. I yeah. love that perspective. Yep. Yeah. I'm taking it. Two days up in the corn market <laughs> is a victory at this point. So. That's awesome. You bet. Yeah, well, kick us off with the news today. Well, sure thing. Well, wheat futures were under pressure today on notable strength in the U.S. dollar index while corrective buying efforts in corn limited selling through midday. Operations at the port of Antwerp, one of Europe's largest container ports, were seriously impacted earlier today as hundreds of Belgian farmers on tractors blocked the roads around the port demanding looser environmental rules and better protection against cheap imports. March hard red winter wheat futures today four and one half cents lower five ninety four and a half. March SRW wheat unchanged five ninety seven and one half. 
March spring rate closed at 673 and one quarter down nine and one quarter cents today, Michelle. Yeah. And if you look at a chart, at least in Chicago, wheat, we're still moving pretty sideways here in about a five and a half a month trading range in that direction. Well, corn futures, uh, see now here, corn futures tried to work higher today despite strength in yeah, the U.S. Tried. dollar. However, futures were unable to hold on and ended the session tethered to unchanged. Now, Michelle, you you shined a little brighter light on this than I did in the news copy in here. So we'll I'm just looking go. for the pony in the yeah. poop pile. <laughs> I love it. In other news, South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Brazilian corn crop estimate amid lower first crop plantings and expected smaller safrina seedings. Cordonier also cut his Argentine corn production estimate. He now expects South American corn production to fall nearly 3% from year ago. March corn futures gained one quarter of one cent to 4.30 and three quarters. May corn added three quarters of one cent to 4.43 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 4.52 and a half. That's up one quarter of one cent. I guess beggars can't be choosers, right? Fractional cents, but they're moving in the right direction, Michelle. Yeah, well, at least we didn't make another contract low here or close at a new contract low for the, mm-hmm. the day. So mm-hmm. we'll take that. Dropping the optimism again. I love it. Technical resistance and favorable Brazilian weather weighed on soybean futures today. Dr. Cordonier cut his Brazilian and Argentine soybean crop estimates, noting continued disappointing yields as harvest progresses. Dr. C still expects South American soybean production to rise as much as 6% from last year. March soybeans currently limited by the 10-day moving average at 11.98 and three quarters, while support is at last week's low of 11.79 and one quarter. March soybeans today, six and three quarter cents lower, 11.86 and one quarter. May beans down six cents, 11.91 and three quarters. July beans closed at 12.01 and one half. That's down six cents today, Michelle. Yeah, March beans just cannot seem to get back above that $12 mark. Well, March cotton gained 99 points to 91.52 today. And on your livestock, last week's average cash cattle price rose $3.35 from the previous week to 181.15. Michelle, that's the highest level since the week ended November 3rd of last year. April live yeah. cattle gapped lower on the open. April live cattle slipped 82.5 cents all told, 185.10. The June contract down 97 and a half to 182.55 and March feeders declined 82 and a half cents to 248 even. And finally on the snout side, the pork cutout value surged $2.57 on Monday to 88.54 amid gains in all cuts except primal ribs. Movement totaled 223.7 loads for the day. April lean hogs today, five cents lower, 81.07 and one half. June down 17 and a half, 94.70. Michelle Rook. Thanks so much, Davis. And with price action perspective, Matt Bennett is joining us with agmarket.net. And like I said, soybeans just cannot seem to get over that $12 resistance area on the charts there, Matt. No, it's just, uh, it's been kind of rough. You know, it seems like we'll have a good day here. And then uh, you turn around on a day like this and it's just, you know, it's it's just uh, sharply sideways here over the last uh, several trading sessions. I get an up day, get a down day, but regardless, anytime you go up, you know, you've had a couple of uh, small reversals here and there, and it seems like just no one shows up to buy the thing. So uh, you just don't have enough buyers showing up. Uh, you don't have a story for them, especially whenever South American weather continues to uh, at least be good enough, uh, you know, to call this crop uh, halfway decent. The problem is, you know, of course, you've got differing opinions there, but regardless, I just don't see anything uh, super bullish in here. Corn market up 
two days in a row, but really it's going to take what to get the funds to start covering shorts and maybe put a contract low behind us. Yeah. I mean, we're up two days in a row, but you know, it's a penny and three quarters and you probably yeah. already said that, but good night. Um, you know, we'll take it. It's better than down. I mean, uh, but the corn market uh, by all means, you're just, uh, you know, struggling to find a pulse here lately. And so you got to hope that maybe you get a little more buying. I, I guess, you know, I, maybe everyone realizes the baseline numbers are going to be bearish. I can't see anything bullish coming out of those numbers based upon what they've done in the past. And so maybe we don't get some sort of a bearish move in here. You've got to think the market kind of knows that or they wouldn't yeah. be seeing a few people buy it. Yeah, I think ag outlook is something we're going to be watching here end of week. Cattle just some profit taking, you think, here? Yeah, I think so. I was kind of surprised, you know, whenever corn came off the up uh, two to up three, I figured maybe you'd see this cattle market turn around just a little bit. We've had such a good run here lately, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's uh, not hard to believe you'd see a little bit of profit taking, uh, but you're above your uh, resistance levels and, uh, you know, you've got support below you right now. I think this cattle market's pretty strong for the time yeah. being. And you'll be back with us tomorrow from the National Farm Machinery Show, right? I'll be there. All right. Thanks for joining us, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We are going to take a break. We'll be back with Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing, our market analyst today here on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rookie and for Chip Flory. He'll be back tomorrow from the National Farm Machinery Show. Joining us with our analysis today is Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. He is the Senior Market Advisor and Vice President of Brokerage Solutions. Good to have you along with us today, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Michelle, thank you. I'm uh, happy to be here and... Um... Hopefully we've got some some good show uh, in front of us here. I know. It's been so hard to talk about grains because everybody's been so bearish and we'll get into that. I wanted to start off talking just a little bit about, you know, the stock market sell off today, really the largest of 2024. We got a higher dollar and 
a lot of that was due to the CPI data that came out this morning, right? Well, most of that the reaction today was to the CPI data. So it, it did show that inflation's cooling, but not the 2.9% that the market was expecting. Came in at 3.1% today. And you've had a stock market that's been a, a strong bull for some time. So you've got to expect that there will be days like this ahead when you made a, make a significant run. As an example, looking at the Dow Jones back at the end of October, trading near 32,700 in that area. And then here recently peaking at uh, yesterday's high of 39,013. That is a significant increase in value over a short window of time. You can't expect that kind of momentum to continue. So when the market doesn't get the news that it wants, it's not going to take long for somebody to step into this and start taking some profits or even shorting the index funds. Yeah. And the dollar moving higher here with the CPI data a little hotter than expected. The thought is interest rates may stay higher longer. And we mentioned that because all of this really does impact money flow in and out of the commodity sector, doesn't it? It does. Uh, so it is a variable. We look at interest rates. That's something that we hadn't talked about for a long, long time. And so now maybe this idea that they're sticky and they don't drop off as fast as many had hoped for certainly leaves another sort of question mark with with the whole money flow into banks, into the farmer's hands and what they can afford. It's a challenge. And unfortunately, something like the corn market right now has been in this downtrend. A part of that is I think the end user out there looks at it and goes, hmm, interest rates are higher. Farmers got good storage uh, capacity. They're holding it for us. We'll just buy what we need. And I think that's a continuation of sort of this mindset in the marketplace and the managed money sees that and stays short. Commemorative Traders report last week, 297,000 contracts net short in corn. That is just really close to a record and nothing on the tablet right now that says, hey, look out, we're getting ready to see a rebound other than the ship has listed to one side so hard that when it does occur, it might might occur kind of violently. But uh, so far, nothing really tripping the trigger of those managed funds. Right. And they're short almost 300,000 contracts in corn, but over 100,000 in soybeans. They're short in the wheat market. And so when you look at the combined total, this is what the second shortest they've been on record? Yes, it's it's a significant number. The combined number I don't have in front of me, but I do know that, that soybeans are uh, on the last commitment, 130,000 contracts. Right. So they're reaching a, a level that the market hasn't seen before. So, you know, that's all plays into the hand of the end user. And then we go back again, you know, to, to this inflation thing. So the Fed's really trying to, you know, get this worked out and they're doing what they think is right. But I, I still contend it goes back to when inflation was really starting to grab hold and the Fed continued to talk about, remember, they talked about transitory. This is transitory inflation. And that seemed kind of odd to me when you've got everybody locked up and money being saved that when it comes out, it's going to hit full force mm. and try and chase goods that are limited in supply. And here we are, fast forward, we're still not caught up. And uh, it's, it's just impressive on the stock market to have the run it's had. But there again, too, this might be the wake-up call to end users today, or to, yeah. to investors today, excuse me. Yeah. And we should also point out that for the time of year that we're in, it's kind of odd for the funds to be this short as we start our planting season, isn't it? 
Yeah, there's one way to look at this. You can look at the current price. And, and, and so everybody's trying to figure out why is the market kind of stuck where it is? And I think part of that is interest rates. I think part of it is the end user is complacent. And the other part of it is the market hasn't really factored in any weather premium. You've got a southern hemisphere crop to grow yet and a northern hemisphere crop. And the market has moved into a level that sort of suggests that there's no concern about the weather. I do have to scratch my head a little bit and say, well, geez, with the USDA raising yield in November and raising yield in January, those are some pretty big numbers when typically pretty fine-tuned by the time you get to the October report. So maybe there just isn't quite the grasp on what this crop actually yielded, or perhaps the test weight is better, or both, and therefore it's just adding to the complacency at the end-user end. Yeah, and at the same time, we really don't have a story yet or a catalyst to get the funds to cover this big short position they have to produce any rallies, right? Well, well, you don't. When you look around the world and you say, well, where's the bright spot? In a lot of years, you kind of looked over toward the export sector in China. Now, exports are running pretty good this year, year to date compared to a year ago. But when you look at, well, where's who's their buyers? Mexico's been consistent. China's been a buyer. Will they need any more? We don't know. So you don't have that catalyst or at least perceptive catalyst in the marketplace for end users or speculators to say, boy, I better I better get on this and buy this. Uh, now, if things start to change and the funds head for the gates at one time, that might have a different perspective. But uh, we, you know, we went into the end of the year. There's a lot of talk. Oh, the funds will cover at the end of the year and the low will be in. And it was hard to kind of fathom. I never really have talked to anybody who said, I'm going to get out at the end of the year because it's the end of the year. They were short. They're making money. They're adding the shorts. They were, you know, pretty much defensive all the way through January now into February, uh, defensive as in selling. So I, I just haven't seen the catalyst yet to try to trip that or for the corn buyer to jump in there and, and change corn and soybeans for that matter. Yeah. The only thing maybe we had to hang our hat on was if we had a problem with Brazil planting the second crop safrina corn, but it looks like that's at a pretty fast pace at this point, isn't it? Boy, you know, Egg Rural uh, uh, came out yesterday with their estimate of second crop corn. All of a sudden, they're raising five million metric tons. That's four hundred million bushels. That's 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 a lot of. Uh, or I'm sorry, that's two hundred million bushels. That's a lot of of you know numbers in one stroke to to add to the supply. Who knows if they're accurate when you have weather right. issues and and the and the conditions into mid December? But I would probably make the argument that if you had to kind of tip the needle since about mid-December, uh, it's tipped to the better for weather, certainly in Brazil and Argentina. And when you combine those two together and the sort of the lackluster expectation out of the world demand, it, it just, we haven't turned the corner yet. And, and the market hasn't put in any weather premium for the Northern or Southern hemisphere. No, that's true. Although the market, we see these private estimates, especially on soybeans. Another one today, Dr. Cordonier, down to 147 million metric mm. tons. But the market really isn't respecting that. Is it just because we're waiting for more harvest results or what is the problem? I, I think that's one, waiting for more harvest results because we, we've you know, the market's been kind of down this road before. Uh, just six months ago, where you know you had weather issues and the crop was getting smaller and smaller, small crops get smaller, and then all of a sudden they don't. That happened in the U.S. And I think there's just a lot of skepticism that you really want to see that or have a show me mindset that things are really smaller. Um, the second crop 
corn. I, I didn't quite connect the dots that many connected about late planting and some of these issues. Um, there's been some really strong technical uh, evolution with producing that crop and more drought resistance varieties, better tillage practices, better equipment. That's been the real surprise over the last decade in the agricultural sector. It's just that development and growth and, and really now consistent yields out of that second crop uh, corn. So I think the market's betting a little bit more on that than it is late planted or uh, acreage down, um, especially in light of China being a very tepid economy right now that seems to be on the verge of falling apart almost every other week. Yeah, that was the other question I was going to ask you, is that the other part of the equation here is that we're just not seeing demand, especially from China. How concerned are you about their economy? There's a lot of signals there that it is not very good. A lot of signals the economy isn't good. And yet, if you read between the lines, there's been a lot of action and activity by the government to prop up the economy, but that doesn't happen overnight. You've got to get the funds, let's call it money flow, into the economy. You've got to get the consumer more of a spending mindset. That all takes time. So there are wheels in motion. And if there were, let's say, some weather issues with the second crop corn, all of a sudden you might see a lot of different headlines and how China's looking to stock up on inventory and buy. But right now, day to day, problem is if you analyze the market on a day-to-day and on day-to-day basis, there just isn't anything much new. And therefore, those who are short the market will continue to do what they're doing because they're making money at it until somebody proves them otherwise. Yeah. And their prices in China have fallen quite a bit for corn, beans, meal, everything, haven't they? Well, they have. And part of that is reduction of the hog herd. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to talk a little bit about this upcoming USDA Ag Outlook Forum this week, as well as kind of some of the projections for where we're going to see our acreage come out here for 2024. We'll be back with Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March hard red winter wheat futures were four and one quarter cents lower, 594 and a half. 
March SRW wheat unchanged, 597 and one half. March corn futures gained one quarter of one cent to 430 and three quarters. May corn added three quarters of one cent, 443 and one quarter. March beans fell six and three quarter cents to 1186 and one quarter. May soybean futures softened six cents, 1191 and three quarters. March cotton up 99 points to 91.52. On your livestock's April fat cattle slipped 82 and a half cents to 185.10. March feeders down 82 and a half cents to 248 even. And April lean hog futures five cents lower, 81.07 and one half. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? And welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook and for Chip Flory. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing is along for the ride today. And Brian, uh, we kind of left off with uh, the kickoff into 2024 here as we left for the break. And let's talk just a little bit about the USDA Ag Outlook Forum. We are going to get, I know these are baseline numbers and these are somewhat theoretical um, to start with, but as we start looking at, say, the corn market, we're looking at what? USDA releasing maybe less acres, but what mm. do they do with yield? Yeah, so so you're looking at uh, 90 4.6 million planted acres this past year. Egg outlook form 91.6. It might be anybody's guess what the yield could be, but there's some estimates out there about 80, uh, 183 bushels an acre. Um, and so, so the ending projected carryout um, uh, on the numbers I've seen for corn, 2.493. Right now, 2.172. So, Let's think about that a minute. So, so we've got some news coming at us, and the market is anticipating this news. Nobody's buying that news right now, as in the sense of, boy, that looks like it could be a bullish number. Who knows for sure what will come out of this? But um, one of the things that I think the market is kind of a simple rule right now, or kind of rule of thumb that I use, is that when the projected carryout from year to year is increasing, the market's generally in a downtrend, and until something turns that, um, that's the problem with the with the corn market. Um, just real quick here in soybeans, uh, carry out projected to, go to in the year ahead four hundred twenty million, and currently at three hundred fifteen million. And remember that number from this month's report, USDA uh, WASDE report, that has been inching higher. It was two hundred eighty million the month before, and. 260, I think 265 or 255 the month before that. So you've got this trend of increasing carryout, uh, both in the near term and projected longer term on soybeans and in corn, pretty much flat on the last USD report, but projected from year to year to increase. But we're expecting an increase in acres. And frankly, we were last year too, and we didn't get it. Is it possible that could happen again? Or is the corn soybean ratio such that Maybe we're not going to see it. 
Yeah, there's always kind of this this banter, and and one of the things that happens in February is insurance rates are set, and that gives you some better perspective of what to expect. I think last year the insurance rates, remember, they were five ninety one. Five ninety one. Yeah. Right, and and then all of a sudden corn prices took a dip by the middle of March, a kind of kind of a sizable one. I think that that encouraged farmers to plant more corn. And we saw that. We saw a big increase in corn acres last year. It was like 4 million acres from the previous year. I'm not so sure you have that fight for acres. Currently right now, if you look at the ratio of November soybeans divided by December uh, uh, corn price, that ratio is 2.48. Typically anything in, in my book, at least in the 2.4 to 2.45, that'll buy bean acres from corn. Um, as farmers look ahead, it may be one of those years where all of these outlook numbers and that don't have a lot of bearing. It's really what kind of cost farmers want to incur in the year ahead and what kind of money they may be able to secure to plant crops. And I would think that might give beans a slight edge uh, as well. Well, that makes sense. But, you know, farmers, um, prices are lower, so we can bushel up on corn better than we can bushel up on beans. Well, and there's truth to that. Farmers are very, very good at producing corn. And it's amazed me that you can take a kernel as big as your pinky fingernail, put that into the ground and very consistently year in and year out, get high yielding crops. And then you look at this past year and you had some, some really legitimate, you know, looking drought monitor maps and shortfall of moisture and yet the crop kind of came through. So, so right now the market isn't buying into weather so much. Um, I, I, I've been around long enough. I'm going to kind of say just, you know, hold, hold pat on that thought a little bit there. Things have gotten better, better farmers, better tillage practices, better genetics, better application methods, better science. I get all of that. You still got to have mother nature come through. And last year with some hindsight, I don't think we really saw the kind of, we saw the dry that was impactful, but we didn't see the searing heat or we didn't see the, the, the high winds. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that this, you know, you can just throw seed in the ground and have the kind of crops that we've had. Yeah. We were looking for lower acres, but again, maybe a higher yield. I, I think you got to expect that. We'd struggled early on with dry weather last year. And I think that uh, the way things are looking in the weather maps right now, it just looks like at present that you should pencil in higher yields on wheat see, and have that expectation. That being said, of the three charts, corn, soybeans, and wheat. Wheat prices probably show the best consolidation and base building. So I don't want to get too far over my skis here looking for wheat prices. So let's say they found their bottom, but but so far in the March Chicago wheat, as an example, the low was uh, November 27th, and that was 556. Currently, the market's at 597. It's straight at 597 every month. We can go back to September. So that's a pretty good base build right now. Uh, the biggest issue for wheat, or could be for the world, is that uh, exporting countries, they have limited supply. So there's not a lot of room to air for, from countries that do export wheat in the crop year ahead. Right. We'll get actual numbers here at the end of March. And so I guess, you know, I always get farmers that get mad at me when we talk about these USDA numbers, because there's so much of this that is theoretical. Um, and I get that. But you know, I don't know how much the market uses it, but it's something that we have to, you know, at least throw out there. You know, as we come up into the end of the quarter, is that a time, Brian, where you think maybe you could see funds cover some shorts? Maybe they bank some profits at that point, especially as we go into that acreage report with some uncertainty? 
I, I think so. Not only that, but you're really starting to reach the point in time when weather is more impactful and the market will likely start to pay more attention to that. It's hard to talk any kind of weather market in the Northern hemisphere in January or February, other than, you know, what if scenarios. But once you get down the road a little bit, farmers start to really look at this, you know, start to see weather forecasts that really matter, whether you get the crop in early or not. Um, I'm not arguing this would be the case, but if something like 2019 sort of developed where it got cold and wet, it you know back then the market sort of moved up some. I think farmers would put a lot more, traders would put a lot more stock in that given the current level of price that, hey, we might be off on yield. This USDA projection, that that's going to likely be a high number. But what if the yield you know, does revert back to something, let's say 170 to 173 uh, with lighter test weight corn? The market will change its mindset very quickly. And that'll be the catalyst that we're talking about or the signal to end users to cover. Yeah. Let's talk about a few um, technical points on the market. Um, corn, March corn yesterday made another new contract low and then kind of reversed off that area. Are we getting at a point where you think that we're going to hold some long-term support areas there or where end users are going to see that that is a value? I think we're getting low enough where that certainly could happen. I, I wouldn't say I've gotten any good signal yet uh, here this week. We saw some, you know, a couple of days up, but we've seen that for some time where we get a little bit of strength and get kind of slapped right down. So, so when I looked at the March contract and I looked at kind of the last high and the last low, and I take that band of prices there, uh, and then you kind of swing it over on a call it a hinge, band and price hinge. And it probably points to more like 420 from a technical trader's perspective. That being said, market well into the oversold uh, category on stochastics, uh, maybe even looking for a crossover here. And uh, those are the kind of things that can help hold the market. Uh, the question really is, are farmers going to kind of give up on it and start to really just, you know, sell? I think that's part of what happened this winter is there were just a lot of reasons why farmers didn't sell a lot of corn a year ago at this time. And prices have been basically downtrending since. And, and now you've got this large amount of corn that that has to make itself to the marketplace that isn't priced yet. That weighs on the market. The good news is we're now in mid-February. We've got four months of usage we've chewed through. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the farmer selling. And, of course, prior to the December contracts going off the board, we did see that massive liquidation and rolling there. We're going to have the same problem when March goes into delivery. We have a lot of March basis fixed contracts that need to be delivered against or rolled again, right? You do, and that could be a problem. And, and one of the problematic views of the corn market and why it's tough to get overly optimistic at the moment is when September went off the board, it went off the board near about 462. December went off lower than that. Now, March is lower than where December went off. And so the implication, of course, is from the trader's perspective, there's a carry in the market, keep selling the carry in the market. Farmers need to move this sooner or later. But I've talked to a number of farmers here, and they're not anxious to sell corn here, but they've got, they have these contracts and they got to decide whether to roll and pay that or, or, or sell it. Um, if they're perceptive or have the ability or knowledge to do so, they can own it back on paper. So, so what a lot of those farmers may be looking for is to sell cash and then retain the ownership on paper, trying to realize a, a, a gain if we can rally out of this into the, the spring months, which 
typically you'll see the corn market maybe peak more in that March, April, May window. I don't want to give anybody false hope. That's typically when the market factors in its greatest level of uncertainty with producing the crop. From a chart standpoint, uh, March seems to have pretty good resistance at $12. And then the low last week around $11.79, pretty good support. Do we stay in that range for a while? Boy, I I would like to think so. But to me, there's a lot of air underneath this bean chart yet. And Ooh. if we don't pick it up a little bit, I'm worried that the the target on the back of the bean contract and the March contract in specific is $11.45. That was the low from from last May. May, yep. Right. So so when you look at a chart, you got kind of this obvious formation there. My concern there simply is that the trade will continue to trade the chart till something proves them otherwise. All right. Brian Doherty joining us from Total Farm Marketing. When we come back, we'll talk a little livestock, including milk prices. That's coming up here on AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. And welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Michelle Brook in for Chip Flory. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing is joining us this afternoon. And Brian, we kept you for the fourth segment here today because one of your areas of expertise is the milk market. Um, and obviously, we have been watching that market for the last, oh my gosh, over a year. And it's just been, you know, not a good profitable situation for dairy producers. But at least the class three milk futures right now look like they're starting to try to recover. You know, Michelle, they do. And so so when you look at uh, where the market is today, and we'll start with the nearby contract. So if I look at the February contract, there's been a small to, to moderate size uptick off the recent low here last week. We hit 1660 and the low came uh, back in December at 1547. So you had a little over a dollar gain there. 
But as you start to look at these deferred months, it picks up a little bit better. Right. And the general expectation is for for uh, some reduction of herd, increased maybe demand, things like that that may help the marketplace. I'm going to be a little cautious, though, because when there's a, a several kind of macro things in the industry that you know, more or less ha- have me concerned. So so let's start with this. So if I look at the second half of the year, and that is I look through the futures, at the futures contracts from July through December, uh, you're, you're closing in on 1850 as an average price. Right. That hasn't tailed off much at all this year. The, the, there was a peak there um, on, on that average price at 1898, but you're kind of creeping up there. Something that I think dairy producers should really pay attention to and heed. And the rationale behind there is is kind of, uh, I think, simple. One, operations continue to get bigger, more capitalized, production dependent. Sure, there's efficiency, but I don't think they're the, they're the kind of operations that quickly scale back on production. Two, you've got high beef prices and the temptation to hold heifers back or cows back and breed them once through to a beef animal is pretty substantial. I think that's been a bit of a game changer in the industry and you can breed for such. Um, so I, I, I don't see really a catalyst to really sort of reduce this herd size. When I look at those, when I look at those deferred month contracts, it's going to be tight like everything else. But keep in mind how much corn prices have gone down from a year ago. Um, yeah. That's the big to me the feed and then the output side. Uh, if I'm a dairy producer, I'm certainly keeping a very tight eye on this second half of the year. And and uh, I would, if, from a personal perspective, if I'm a dairy operation, I'm I'm hedging a fourth of my milk or more. Because I can only be wrong if it goes up and we can build the price up at this point. The world's not ready to run out of corn. Uh, we'll see it the next several months bring, but there's plenty of, uh, I'm going to say, or ample of feed supply availability in the, in the perceived future. Yeah. Those insurance prices, though, and those have been kicking in for how many months now? Well, that's that's another variable, and I'm glad that you brought that up because when we were at higher prices and, and forward thinking, you could forward sell or hedge futures or have these insurance contracts that really did something for you, and I think that did a lot to keep a lot of farmers solvent. Right. Um, just talking to a, to a farmer here last week, uh, not a, by today's standard, not huge, 300 cows, but uh, I was talking about the LGM and uh, so, uh, some of the other insurance products, just those are the things that have kept them going and kept them solvent. And so those things have been helpful. Now, whether or not they're as helpful in the future, only time will tell. Uh, but again, another thing sort of that would tell me that the herd is is struggling, from my perspective, the herd isn't dropping enough to, to warrant a, let's say, a bull run in this market. It, it'd have to come out of demand and there's a pretty tepid world economy right now. No doubt. And demand was a little disappointing around the holiday time period. Are you getting the sense it's picking up? I mean, obviously the economy looks better um, and we have the stock market and the 401ks looking better for folks. For sure. And everything seems a little bit out of sync. The cattle market probably stuck around to its bull run instead of kind of getting into that early fall dip. It took another couple of months for that market to fall apart. Uh why the cheese demand was so soft into the holiday window and 
to your point, when, when it looks like you've got low unemployment, you've got people working and you've got a you know stock market that's rewarding, giving confidence to investors, um, is it one of those environments where all of a sudden it just snaps and it catches up? And we, we sort of saw the hint of that here over the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden they get, you know, milk just got cheap enough. Cheese got cheap enough. All of a sudden yeah. it blows higher. But when I look at like blocks and barrels and you're looking at the barrels at, at a buck 60, um, not a bad price, a nice recovery, but not where it was back at, in summer and, and early September. And right now the futures price is about aligned where it was back when prices were in, in November at these cheese levels. So, it, it looks like to me like a market that will be difficult to rally from here. Um, and the market will probably buy the dips. We, we seem to think demand surfaces in, but it, it sure was a surprise to see how weak the demand was that September through the end of the year period. Right. Just as yeah. I'm still scratching my head on that. Just a quick question for you about the cattle market, the beef cattle market. Mm. Um, we had a little correction today after hitting new highs for the move again early yesterday. Is this a healthy correction in your opinion? Yeah, I think just a minor correction right now. Hard not to be supportive. I expect the next cattle on feed to really provide, uh, again, a reminder of how tight the supply is. Cash price up strong last week. Uh, this is just a correction, we believe. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of a push from that stock market being down. That doesn't help. And, and on the charts, for instance, if you look at like the April contract, they're about where they, they peaked in November. And somebody's made, some, if you're long, some pretty good money in, those, in that market. Wouldn't be surprised if they buttoned up their stops pretty tight. Also, the market right up against the upper Bollinger Band. Yeah. Um, a, a correction at this point is what I'd call it. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. All right, Wednesday's shows will be hosted by Chip at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. On the morning show, agronomist Ken Freire is going to be joining Chip, plus they're going to have the Farmer Forum. And then in the afternoon, join Matt Bennett of agmarket.net. And again, uh, we'll have our whole Farm Journal group down there, including a live U.S. Farm Report taping. Thanks for joining us here for AgriTalk for... Davis Michelson, I'm Michelle Rook. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for AgriTalk.